has your view changed over the last few years when it comes to telemedicine? Future of Telehealth, today on the Voices in Healthcare Finance podcast. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Erica Grotto and I'm excited to welcome back Eric Reese. Hey, Eric. Hey there, Erica. How are you doing? Oh, I'm great. Uh, really excited to have you back on the podcast. Hey, it's really, it's really great to, to be here. So I want to start with a question. Have you had a telehealth visit in the last year? Well, you know, I haven't. But my family practice, uh, I heard, you know, shortly after the pandemic started that they were doing telehealth visits. And later in the summer, I, I thought, well, you know, maybe it would be a good time for me to have just routine checkups. I'll see if I can maybe set up a telehealth visit. And uh, when I called them, they said, well, you know, we've, we've kind of backed away from that. We're not really doing but they're now saying that they leave it up to the doctor, whether you can have a visit or not. They said that there's one doctor who doesn't do telehealth visits. And I don't know exactly why, maybe he just likes to have that one-on-one -on -one personal interaction, but the others are, are taking appointments on a case-by-case -case basis. And the only thing they say is that you can't, you know, approve a new medication through a telehealth visit. But uh, I'm, you know, kind of uh, reassured that they decided to come back to it. Yeah, that's really interesting. We hear a lot about telehealth kind of being the next big thing. But anecdotally, I've heard from some people who really love it, from some people um, who have providers who are resistant to it or some from providers who are really taking off with it. My favorite telehealth story, which I've told everyone that I've talked to about telehealth, is my two-year-old has a skin condition, I had to take her to an allergist. And I thought, I'm really busy. We're in a pandemic. I don't really want to take my toddler out into the world a whole lot. This was several months ago. And so I, I made a telehealth visit. I said, well, he can, he can look at her feet, you know, over the camera. So it just so happened that the day of the appointment, she decided to take a nap for the first time in months. This child had stopped naps and that day was just feeling tired and fell asleep about 10 minutes before the appointment time. So I thought, well, I'll just talk to the doctor. And then when, it, when he needs to look at her, I'll go wake her up. And he said, oh, don't worry about it. And I took my iPad into her room while she was sleeping and just kind of put the camera on her feet and said, oh, OK, you know, this is what's going on. And so um, nobody talks about naps being a benefit of telemedicine. But I'm here to tell you, uh, I had a happy toddler that day and I was a happy mom because my kid got a nap. Wow, that's amazing. And so she never was even aware that she was being looked at by a doctor? No, eventually she did wake up because I was in there talking with him. But it was good. Um, and eventually we did have to take her in to have an allergy test. But for that kind of initial visit, it was really nice. And it was also only 20 minutes I had to take away from my day rather than the hour, hour and a half that I normally would have had to actually take her somewhere, do all of the check-in, have the exam, maybe go pick up a prescription on the way home, all of the stuff that's kind of involved in a live visit. I cut that down to 20 minutes and I was done. Boy, that's great. I wonder if they'll do orthodontics visits for 14-year-olds. I, I, I hope I not. <laughs> Well, my personal experience with telehealth as a patient have been pretty good overall, but 
Whether telehealth really is the next big thing seems yet to be determined. A few months ago, I spoke with Khalid Al-Maskari, the founder and CEO of Health Information Management Systems, about the future as he sees it for telehealth. For a very long time, as healthcare providers, we felt that probably a face-to-face visit is a lot better for the patients. And that had definitely certain values. But with this pandemic, it's clear now more than ever is that care can be provided. There, there are definitely some cases where you need that face-to-face, but there are a lot of cases that you may not need it. And it's augmenting what we have in the past to what we're doing right now. And it's really, as a, the new administration, there's a great opportunity to be able to set this as the future of American healthcare system. And part of it is looking also at the cost and looking at how to better manage the cost with the quality um, with a lot of the new tools, especially looking at electronic health records and some of the some of the available apps that are there. They're trying to get it to where anybody can, could receive a service without having to go through the sometimes like burdensome um, you know task of having to get to to a visit. It also allows from from a billing perspective and a revenue cycle perspective, it's allowing the, the healthcare providers to be able to provide more medically needed service and be able to account for it. So it makes it a lot easier to bill and collect as long as the revenue cycle management and claim staff are uh, keeping up to date with the new with the new rules. So, so absolutely, it's, it's the way to augment what we have now, put it in a way that makes a lot more sense. Um, the biggest obstacles that we've had in the past are no longer obstacles. Almost everybody is able to click on a button or two in their mobile device and be able to, and uh, for many of the cases, you're still able to provide the same type of quality service. And as a matter of fact, you're probably able to provide better quality because there's a follow-up that doesn't have doesn't need to be done um, face-to-face or via phone. But there are a lot of a lot of uh, apps and technologies that allow, for example, for instant access to providers, which would make it better for for both. Um, healthcare providers and their patients. I imagine that is going to take some sifting through from a billing standpoint as well, though. If we're talking about apps and other technology, it's it's very different from maybe a, a visit where you have an appointment and it's essentially like a, a virtual version of a live visit. But if we're talking about apps and things like that and maybe some asynchronous telehealth, how does revenue cycle fit in there um, today or, or in the future? It's the interoperability, which is something that you hear a lot about in, in the healthcare industry. And um, sometimes it's not where it needs to be. I really believe that interoperability between looking at different apps plus electronic health records plus appointment setting and then revenue cycle management to be able to get the service provided with the shortest amount of time and be able to to bill accordingly. So in order for us to get there, which I really believe that we must get there and this is the time to do it, is to to refocus on the interoperability and not necessarily look at it right now as a disparate systems where a claims person has to go and look at three, four, five different systems and then try and, and understand 
what is being provided and how it should be built. Uh, technology is there and has been there for, for many years for a lot of different in, industries and, and healthcare. Uh, we're almost there with the, we're the cusp of it, but we need to focus on interoperability. How do we make sure that we do have standards, which uh, we do right now, some of them, but how do we, how do we augment them and how do we make sure that everybody is, is using these same technologies? To look at the value base of the services and to also be able to bill in a timely and efficient manner. So, Eric, you've been at HFMA for quite a while, a couple of decades, and you've seen the trends come and go, seen the strategies kind of come and go. So how has your view changed over the last few years when it comes to telemedicine or, or has it? Well, I would say it has, but that's largely because it wasn't a big topic for a long time. I mean, it was there, you know, but like under COVID, it kind of went from zero to 80 miles an hour, like in just a couple of months, which was amazing. Before that, it was pretty much a blip. You know, we had an occasional article about telehealth, but, you know, it was like a few voices in the wilderness at that time. And then it really exploded. You know, we had a couple of expert reviewed articles almost right away. We had a, a piece uh, in August uh, of this year exploring possible ROI from delivering telemedicine, which is like a big thing on people's minds now because payment has been kind of a big question. And then another article by Lucy Zielinski that was in May on planning and profitably uh, operating telehealth services. Those are just a couple of just lots and lots of stuff that we've got going. Yeah. And I remember that article that you mentioned from 2015 and the blog post from 2019, because I was actually here at HFMA for that. And remember thinking, wow, this sounds really interesting. And it was kind of looked at, and I think it was even discussed in those pieces as telehealth is a nice to have, but we should pay more attention to it. And now we're paying more attention to it. But as you said, there are a lot of challenges around it. You know, you think about payment alone, that was a, a big, big issue early on and continues to be a, a bit of a question mark about where things are going to go. So in our next segment, we're going to hear what Khalid has to say about what might happen with telehealth from a policy standpoint. So I'm going to ask you a really unfair question now, so you can answer it however you like. Um, and for the benefit of the listener, we are recording this on January 20th at about quarter after four Eastern time. So we are four hours into a new presidency. So what I'm going to ask you now is what do you see happening over the next few years with CMS, what kinds of decisions are, are they going to have to make as, with regard to telehealth? Do you have any predictions for what might be coming as far as what CMS is going to say about telehealth as, as the pandemic continues and hopefully as it, as it ends and we move on? Yeah, and, and it, it's really interesting that at the time as far as healthcare future and, and the U.S., has been forever changed. I really believe that, that the new administration is looking at it from that perspective and looking at how we could continue the transition that we really, in all honesty, we've needed for a very long time to be able to provide quality health care for anybody anywhere. Right now, a lot of the rural areas, it's been difficult to, to receive the quality care because of the transportation and the appointment time and everything else. I feel that the healthcare and the, the administration, the new administration will be focused on bridging that gap 
and changing the, the federal rules and regulations to allow for uh, what we discussed before, which is the continuity of services, regardless of the medium that is being provided in. So certainly this is going to be a topic we're looking at for a long time to come. And one of the things, one of the ways we're going to be looking at it is in the May issue of HFM. We've got a great cover story coming out about telehealth, which I highly recommend checking out. Voices in Healthcare Finance is produced by the Healthcare Financial Management Association and written and hosted by me, Erica Grotto. Sound editing is by Linda Chandler. Brad Dennison is our Director of Content Strategy. Our President and CEO is Joe Pfeiffer. If you want to chat with us, hit us up on social media. We're on Facebook and LinkedIn as Healthcare Financial Management Association and on Twitter at HFMAORG. Or as always, you can email our team at podcast at HFMA.org. Should I start that whole thing over again?